Welcome back to a rare midweek edition of Covered in Glory. We are recording early this week to free me up to go back east for my 15-year law school reunion, where I will be surrounded by multi-million dollar law firm partners and DC power players. But I expect to be the bell of the ball because I am the only person who gets to record a weekly show with the one, the only, Brett Coromitos. How are you doing, Brett? I honestly, every opening, you just make me feel really special. And I just can't thank you enough for that, man. That's it's just it from the bottom of my heart. You're here to make me feel good until I pick Middlesbrough in an FA Cup match. Then you're here to to destroy my soul. (laughs) Yeah, I'm here to soften you up. So you keep going 0 for 5 in the 5 pint. I can walk away with some free beer. I don't even want to talk about this last weekend. Let's just move on. (laughs) Focus on your week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the rearview mirror. Let's look at what's ahead. Uh, we're going to cover four games this week because thank the merciful God there is yet no United match on the schedule. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. What in hell was that second half lineup? Mata, Cavani, and Ronaldo uh, all at the same time combined with Mick Fred? What uh, are they doing out there? Uh, they're already on vacation. I think that's the thing. Uh, that, <laughs> they're, and what, they're done. Watching Brighton play them in that game, it reminded me of this really old Jay Moore bit where he's talking about the Revolutionary War and about how the Americans would just hide in trees and the British would fight in red coats in the snow and line up in a line waiting to get shot. And it's like, are we are we are we pussies for hiding? Is this okay to fight a war this way? It's like Brighton was just like, uh, what? Mila, Cavani, Ronaldo, McFred? Is it okay if we just run by them? Is that all right? Are we cheating? Is that acceptable? Because what the hell? I mean, like, did uh, did Ralph think if he played the cast of Wild Hogs that get to use the motorcycles? What was I watching? That was the worst lineup selection from a top six team I have seen in recent memory. And they got crushed by an unimpressive Brighton team. God, it was horrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I did I did issue a warning. I said there was going to be a disclaimer on that match. Avert your eyes from United Brighton. Now, I thought it was because the match itself would be ugly, but then United was like, no, we're just going to ruin this match all on our own. <laughs> oh, the, oh, my God. They just stood still. It was anyway. All right. Lukaku would still fit right in on that team. That's all I know. Uh, but as you said, let's look forward, not backwards, and let's get right into one of the main reasons we're recording midweek, because the uh, biggest kind of head-to-head matchup remaining on the Premier League fixture list is this Thursday at 2.45 p.m. I'm, of course, talking about the North London Derby between the Spurs, fifth at 62 points, and Arsenal, fourth at 66 points. The Spurs are plus 115, Arsenal is plus 240, the draw is plus 245. Spurs minus half a goal or plus 115. Arsenal is minus 140. So, uh, as I said, biggest head-to-head class left in the year. Always one of the highlights on the fixture list when it's released in preseason, let alone with the odds this high between two uh, extremely bitter rivals. Arsenal enter the game in the better position, but they still have uh, at Newcastle and an Everton team that will probably be playing for their lives left on their calendar. Meanwhile, the Spurs clone would close with Burnley and Norwich. So if the Spurs get a result here, they're arguably favored to finish top four, even if they don't control their own destiny. So both teams kind of have it all to play for in this match. And it's important to note that the draw is a win for the Gunners. Uh, given their advantage coming into this. So the minus 140 for them to just get a result is really tempting. 
Uh, however, it's really hard not to be swayed by what we just watched over the weekend, Brett. I mean, Arsenal were absolutely gifted an early goal and a man advantage for over an hour against a relegation-bound Leeds team and barely defended their lead because of their poor finishing. And meanwhile, the Spurs played the most informed team in the world to a true draw on the road, both in score and in XG, when Poole had everything to play for, and it was one of the most impressive displays I've seen by Spurs or, frankly, any team all season. So from my point of view, I guess if it comes down to just one moment of pure quality to win the match and take control of the team's Champion League fate with the millions of dollars and the offseason recruitment advantages to come with it, I have much higher confidence in Sun or Kane pouncing on it than anyone on the Gunners, as good as Odegaard has been. Um, I also think the Spurs fans can smell it after the pool result, and they're going to be fired up in the rivalry game anyway. So I am going to take the plus money and give me the Spurs to win out right here. Yeah, I mean, the this just feels like a match like designed for Harry Kane to like kind of come through on his Spurs legacy a little bit here. Um, I, you know, Arsenal has been weird. Again, it's the same thing. They've been so up and down. I mean, they they absolutely pummeled leads, but somehow almost lost the match or drew, drew the match. Um, and it, it just, you know, they're missing Karen and Tierney. Uh, their attackers are okay. Like the Ketty has been pretty decent in limited minutes and kind of sort of put a like stopgap in the striker position for them. Um, but I just, I can't get on board and I don't know what it is fully. Um, but the, and the thing that you saw from Spurs too, against Liverpool was like, like you said, it was a true draw. Like they played Liverpool. And they played peak Liverpool and they went punch for punch with them. Like that was that match could have went either way. The draw was the fair result. And they have just been a totally different team, both under Conte. And then also with the addition of Kulishevsky as kind of the third member of their attacking trio. Um, I mean, they're, they're just good. Like this is a good team. If they, <laughs> I mean, they have to be kicking themselves for hiring, you know, <laughs> at the start of the season instead of Conte, because they would clearly be in the, in the top four. This wouldn't even be a debate. Um, but I mean, the other thing too, is this is at, you know, a Hotspur, Tottenham Hotspur stadium. I think, you know, it's not, the Arsenal is not going to be at home for this match and that's going to be a huge advantage to have the crowd behind you in such an important game. And I just think the top end attacking talent from Spurs is better. Um, that's, and that's probably what this match is going to be decided on. And so for me, I'm, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to take them with the spread. I, I think the Spurs are going to win. I'm thinking the minus 0.5 plus 115. And I'm going to follow it up with the prop bet of Harry Kane, anytime goal scorer, plus 130, because whether it's a penalty or whether it's just a big goal, this just feels like a Harry Kane Spurs legacy game coming up right now. Yeah, and if you start thinking about how the match might play out, it goes into my prop bet, and I'd love your take on it. I mean, as good as that Liverpool-Spurs uh, match was last week, the first 20, 25 minutes were kind of non-eventful. Not a lot happened. They're feeling each other out. Neither team was really pressing for an advantage. Um, so there's a, a prop that I brought up once before in a big match. Uh, I think it was City and Liverpool, which is go- goal scored up to the 30th minute. No, it's only minus 115. Uh, so I can see another match here, particularly because Arsenal, as I, I said, the draw is a win for them. If they walk away from this with a four-point advantage with two games to play, they're going to feel quite good about uh, ending the Spurs bid for the Champions League next year. So I think they're going to try to kill this game almost from the first kick. 
Uh, and they certainly don't have any problem doing that. I mean, that's just almost almost if they didn't even have that in their game plan. That's just naturally what their style of play leads to, particularly in in big matches like this. So, what do you think of that? What do you think of the game starting out slowly? Uh, not having much tempo early on, and then obviously the tension for the Spurs ratcheting up as the game goes on and looking for a way to break through, you know, late first half and all of the second half. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because, you know, Spurs pretty much have, especially in bigger matches against better teams, you know, they play that lightning speed counterattacking style, like win the ball back, Kane drops deep, sprays the ball out to wing back or son, and then, the, and then it's on, right? Um, so that obviously can lead to goals being scored at any moment in time because they can transition from their end of the pitch to the ball in the back of the net on the other team's goal in four or five seconds. Um, but Arsenal do kind of play that slow down, drag it out style, but I, I don't know. I guess I go back and forth. I mean, Arsenal, the way they play and the way that they ugly up games, it's a good bet. But there's also a chance that Spurs are going to come out with their hair absolutely on fire and just completely overwhelm Arteta's ability to try to get his team to control this game. Because you also have to remember, like, Spurs' ability, or I mean, Arsenal's ability to control a game pretty much rests on a midfield pairing of Xhaka and Mohamed Elneny. (laughs) So, like, this isn't like, you know, your beloved Chelsea, like, throwing out Jorginho and Conte and, like, having the combination of ball winning and, you know, possession fulcrum to slow down a match and keep the ball. You know, this is a very, very watered down version of that, <laughs> that, that Arsenal are going to roll down, uh, roll out. And so it, to me, that's kind of one of the keys is like, I think if Arsenal was maybe at home where you'd have a better chance of like the home crowd, allowing them to put their influence on the match, I think their style went out, but I do feel like just because Spurs know this is it, they have no, they have no chance at the champions league. If they do not win this match. I think Conte is going to have them aggressively push up their line and pressing. And I think their attackers are going to be hell bent on any turnover of possession to push that ball towards goal. Um, but I mean, you know, again, Arsenal isn't some, you know, sieve defensive team. Like they've, they've actually are at this point because they've solidified defensively with Ben White and Gabriel. Um, so, I mean, it's, I'm 50, 50, it's, it's going to literally just kind of, Probably you'll probably know if the bet's good or not. Like the first minute of the match, <laughs> if sure. Spurs are out there, like just running over Arsenal players to win the ball back and pinging balls down the field, you're probably gonna be like, yeah, I'm fucked. That's a bad bet. But if Arsenal can control the game a little bit in the first five, 10 minutes, I think that's actually the right play. Yeah. All right. Well, I might save myself 29 minutes. Um, I, that, that's what I think is the best prop bet uh, that I saw on the board. However, I also want to call one out that's the most fun. Uh, if you want a super fun, dramatic bet, a goal scored between the 76th minute and full time, yes, is also only minus 115. So the Spurs clearly need this game more than Arsenal, and they are both the better attacking team and counterattacking team. Mm-hmm. So if they have to go after it at the end of the match, they're really, really going to go after it. And we've seen a lot of late game heroics out of the Spurs this year. They're also, uh, generally speaking, not as good at just killing a game off. So if they're trying to defend a one goal advantage, um, I think Arsenal probably has a, at least a decent chance to make uh, make Larice sweat a little bit and, and defend his box. Uh, so I love this bet just Again, just to have some fun. It is, you know, kind of like when uh, Sal and the guys bet the first to 10. This is 
similar to that, but it's at the very end of the game. And I also believe in narrative and I don't believe that all things are going to be settled uh, before you and I tape this podcast again. Um, and so I actually would love to see something dramatic happen at the end, make sure it's still tight. And if you have a little bit of money on it as well, then all the better. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's definitely a fun bet. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, the, the thing about Spurs is that, you know, we saw against Liverpool, they, they did make a lot of subs to shut that game down. Like they subbed on Davison Sanchez and subbed off uh, Ryan Sessegnon and they put like Ben Davis as winger. So they were playing with essentially like a defensive winger in uh, Emerson Royale. And then they had basically four cent- central defenders. Um, so they might be able to shut it down. And then I guess the only thing I worry about is Arsenal doesn't have that pedal where they can put their foot on the gas. Like they, their success this year has basically come from tightening up a little bit at the back, controlling possession to kind of limit and slowing games down. Um, so I don't know what this Arsenal team looks like. Like if they're down two one or one Oh, you know, can they actually like make the changes they need to really put their foot on the gas? Do they have those attackers? I mean, Spurs can sub on attackers like Steven Bergwijn, who's had big goals like at the end of matches and Arsenal just don't have that player. Like they pretty much have to start all their best attackers. And then, you know, maybe if like Smith Rowe isn't on, like he can sub on and change the game. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting bet. And I definitely think if like Spurs at the game status where Spurs are down, I would love that bet because they would definitely just do everything they could. Like Harry Kane would drop in the central midfield, probably to squeeze on another attacker. Um, but if Arsenal's down, I just don't know if they have the juice to do that. But I, I mean, right. again, a lot of it's just going to depend on soccer's random. And if the game state favors yeah. it, it's going to be a good bet. Well, Klopp claimed that they tried to shut that game down from the very beginning, which was pretty rich for him to complain about it. But what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> you know, Hench and I were texting about how crazy it is that Spurs have taken eight points from City and Pool and still might not make the top four, which basically seems impossible. It goes to show that yet again, these things are actually not uh, decided in these big, sexy head-to-head matches, but on cold, rainy nights in Stoke, mm-hmm. as uh, the old saying goes. So. I mean, it's it's wild. Like nobody, I I don't know the answer. I probably should have done better research, but like I'd be shocked if anybody else has even got like five or six points from their matches versus City and Pool this year. And Spurs claimed eight, and they're still on the outside looking in. Wild season. It's it why, is uh, why we love it. Hey, but hey, we we've it's building up to a nice crescendo here at the end. All right. Well, while that is the big match, there are three other matches to cover. So let's get over to Aston Villa, who is 11th at 43 points versus Liverpool, second at 83 points. This game is Tuesday, tomorrow at 3 p.m. Liverpool is minus 220. Villa is plus 600. The draw is plus 360. Liverpool is minus a point and a half. I'm sorry, minus a goal and a half would be plus 125. Villa is minus 155. So uh, to me, Aston Villa are are just flat track bullies. I know you like them a little bit more than I do. I know you have numbers and reasons why, but just watching them and and watching the different ways they play against the quality of the opposition. I know they can do it against Norwich and Leeds and Burnley's of the world, but I just don't think they can hang with top half clubs, let alone top one or two clubs. Uh, And in fact, they only have one win all season over a team in the top eight. I'll give you one guess who it was. Manchester United. It's always Manchester United. Every time it's Manchester learned. United. I finally yeah. learned not to think. You just uh, say Manchester United. 
That's it's the best way to be. Uh, I'm going to be spreading my money around this week in the five pint, but I basically like all the pool bets here. They get an extra day's rest before the FA Cup game, and they suddenly find themselves down uh, four in goal differential, which might be their best hope to win the league since they are down a full three with only three games to play. Uh, I expect them to really go after this because until their title hopes are dead and buried, I don't expect them to capitulate one inch, one second, if they still have a breath left in their collective bodies. And I just have not seen enough from Villa to think they could stop them. So I'm more than happy to lay the goal and a half to get a plus number at plus 125. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where I eventually ended up. And, you know, the one thing I will say is, you know, you you told me about I, this, like, quiet affection I have for Aston Villa. And Toby, I'm just glad that, like, in our podcasting relationship, I can still surprise you because I came mm-hmm. here to to actually shit on Aston Villa's midfield. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's like no, nipple clamps coming out of nowhere. I know, right? Um, but for me, I mean, the big thing is, it's like Villa has, has kind of moved to this midfield of, uh, you know, Ramsey, John McGinn and, and Douglas Louise, and it's just not good. Like they, they don't have a central midfield that functions in the four, three, three, that I think Gerard actually wants to eventually get to. And part of that is like McGinn is, is kind of like the, the classic free eighties, good at receiving the ball higher up the field. He can, you know, win it back, you know, through the tackle here and there, but he's best just kind of either moving the ball forward with the pass, getting into dangerous positions going forward. Not anything like a true defensive midfield. And Douglas Louise, um, to paraphrase friend is aggressively bad. And I love that <laughs> because he does literally <laughs> nothing well, but he plays like he is the man in the midfield for him. And he takes some of their set pieces, things like that. Um, and then Ramsey, you know, he's a young guy. He's getting a lot of minutes, um, which is always good for young players to get premier league minutes. Um, but he's, he just hasn't really shown much more than, you know, same thing, kind of being that eight, 10 kind of attacking midfielder mode. Um, and if you go up against Liverpool and you're not playing a defensive midfielder or just have no semblance of like stability in your defensive midfield, that's a huge problem. <laughs> um, the only thing I think that's going to save them really is the fact that, you know, this has been a crazy stretch of games. I have a feeling that, that Tiago is going to be rotated out of the squad. This is a big ask for him to play as many minutes and as many matches as he's played in the last couple of weeks. Um, and with that, we talk about this all the time with Liverpool. It's going to change the dynamic of the game. It doesn't necessarily mean that they won't be able to cover a goal and a half spread because that's still what I would bet on. Um, but it definitely means that instead of like maybe a two nil scoreline, it's more like three, one, four, two, where they leak a goal or two. Um, and with that in mind, um, Ali Watkins, who's probably by far uh, the best goal scoring threat, even with Coutinho involved um, for Villa is plus three ten is an anytime goal scorer. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So basically his, um, his non-penalty XG is about 0.36. So again, we talk about this all the time. You can kind of read that as like, there's about a 36% per, uh, chance that he'll score a goal in a given match. Right. Um, so plus three ten means that you're, you're getting a good margin there on the, on the, on the value of that he's going to score a little over one third of the time and you're getting a little over one third of the price. Right. Um, and if, if, Tiago is out. And if, if Tiago and Fabinho are both out, a goal is going to happen in this match for Villa. And, and Watkins is the best bet. So for me, that was kind of the, the best value play, um, which definitely means he will have zero shots in about 60 minutes before he gets subs off, subbed off <laughs> with my stink all oh. over that pick. 
That is true. You are stinky right now, uh, which is why I'm just going to offer you a bribe to stay away from Chelsea because every time you pick them, then they crap the bed. Uh, but before we get to that game, um, my prop on this game, just as I said, I want all the Liverpool bets. So rather than just taking them full time, also give me them on the money line in the first half, minus 105. There's no reason for me to think that Aston Villa can hold them in either half. I don't think Liverpool is going to come out lightly here now that they're down with this goal differential and after coming off a disappointing result on the weekend. So I expect them to strike fast and early and to be ahead heading into the locker room. And in fact, I'm getting a coin flick bods on that makes me feel really good. So that's where I'm putting my prop money this week. Uh, All right. Before we do tackle the Leeds and Chelsea match, let's take a quick break. And we're back and on our way down the relegation road to Leeds, 18th point, our 18th place at 34 points versus Chelsea third at 67 points. This game is Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. Chelsea is minus 150. Leeds is plus 425. The draw is plus 300. Chelsea minus half a goal stays at minus 150. Leeds moves up to uh, plus 125 to get a desperately needed point out of this match. So here's where we're at in the relegation race. Um, Everton have Watford on Wednesday. So Leeds really needs to go for the win, which is not good for Leeds. They also still have Brighton and Brentford, and neither game is going to be easy. Uh, But of course, Leeds will be playing for their survival in front of a home crowd. So we'll see if they can bring it like the Everton crowd did against Chelsea recently that I was so impressed with. Uh, I'm just... I'm not sure the crowd or the team have it in them. They're used to being down. They're not like Everton that's been up for 70 consecutive years or whatever it is. And the whole club's identity continues to thrive off of always being in the first division. I mean, Leeds has been down for a while. It will feel strangely comfortable competing in the championship next year. So I just don't know if they're going to be able to carry the team the same way we saw uh, Everton do. And else, and on the other side, Chelsea like secretly kind of need this game so they don't have to white knuckle this at the end of the year. This is getting uh, uncomfortably close for the Champions League. I know I've been saying over and over again they're just going to finish third and they don't have anything to play for. But if they somehow give this game away, the Charity FC label comes back yet again, and and Spurs beat Arsenal. I mean, we're in we're in a street brawl at the end of this year, and I I'd be terrified of that. So, but on the other side, if they get a win and Arsenal gets a point, then it's clinched. Um, so Chelsea actually has a lot to play for. And like, you know, we've been saying about league games recently and they're going against a subpar opponent. Uh, I expect a legit effort from them. I think Kova and Mount are going to cause Leeds absolute fits as they get too aggressive. And for the counter to lead to at least one goal for Chelsea, if not more. So that was a long way of saying that despite Leeds playing in a desperate uh, manner at home, I'm still going to take the Blues minus 150 to get a win. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's just sad. Like, in general, this is kind of sad for Leeds. It's, it's another American. I mean, you know, as Americans, Jesse Marsh takes over the Leeds job, and it kind of is like the Bob Bradley Swansea thing, it seems like, where Swansea was pretty much ticketed to go down. Bradley kind of you know, jumps on a, a sinking ship and then it, you know, get the typical American managers can't cut in Europe stuff going on. Right. Um, and I think this is kind of a bummer because Leeds has generally been a little bit better uh, under Jesse Marsh than, than uh, they were under Bielsa. Um, they've kind of tightened up defensively. They've gotten rid of, they've gotten away from 
He also has crazy man marking style that kind of like the zonal press, self tighten things up, but they just don't have the horses anymore. And, you know, Stuart Dallas breaks his leg. Patrick Banford's still out. Um, and then the, and now they're going to go with, with Luca Alien is going to be out because he got red carded in the last match. And they just, this is just not a team that has any squad depth. So it's, it's going to be a huge problem. It's going to be sad. They're probably, or they are the favorites to go down and, and they would be easily my bet for them to go down. Um, and I, I is think, this a good, is this a good time or a bad time to say that um, they immediately swan dived as soon as you said you were secretly a Leeds fan instead of an Everton fan? I really, I, everything I touch dies. That's every aspect of my life. Everything I touch dies. So yikes! You know Who me? needs to get on the couch now? I know. I've been in therapy multiple times on this pod. It sounds like you need a session. Uh, I, I'm mostly just sad because it would be nice to have seen an American manager like you know have some success. And you know, I hope Leeds if they go do go down at least Jesse Martz gets a chance to bring them back up next year. Um, but that that kind of is just as the American in me that wants to see American managers kind of break the stigma and punch through. Um, it would have been great to see Marsh keep him up, but now he's just, the deck is just so stacked against him. It's going to be hard to beat Chelsea. The one hope, the one hope for Leeds, I am taking Chelsea, by the way, I'm just getting it. The one hope for Leeds in my eyes is our, our boy, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who we've actually said nice things about in this pod, and who I do think is a good player, um, has been kind of, in the middle of a little bit of question as his role in a double pivot, because mm-hmm. like we talked about with John again, Loftus-Cheek is by definition that free it. He, he needs to have a player behind him that does midfielder holding ball winning things for him to function well. And I think part of the reason why Wolves, who are a terrible attacking team, actually created chances. It was him and Cove in a double pivot. And both of them are kind of the same degree of player. And I was looking at the numbers with the on-off splits because I was curious to see which midfielders are doing what for the team. And there's a massive gap between when Ruben Loftus-Cheek plays and when someone like Jorginho, who has been their rock, who does some of the defensive Miller midfielder things, plays. So with Jorginho on the pitch in the Premier League only, uh, Chelsea have a plus 1.08 gold XG differential over 90 minutes. With Loftus-Cheek, that drops almost down a whole half of a goal at 0.62. Actually, that yeah, almost a half of a goal. I was writing the math. At 0.62 XG per 90. And so you see yeah. that there is, a, there is just a gap. And for a team as good as Chelsea, like you say, oh, both those numbers are great. Like how many teams would love to, you know, have a 0.62 XG advantage? That means you're basically a, a European contender. But it's a huge gap. And, and Loftus-Cheek has been getting a lot of minutes in that double pivot, and that, that has to be concerning, maybe not necessarily against Leeds, but definitely for like an FA Cup match. Um, but it would be the, the thing that maybe happens that allows Leeds to get a foothold in this match. Yeah, I mean, that stat's actually even a little bit more alarming than it looks like on paper because Jorginho uh, tends to play against higher quality opposition. Yeah. Like if Loftus-Cheek is getting a start, it's often a rotational aspect where they feel they can get away with it. So it's probably more... Um, than a half point if you're also able to weight the quality of the opponents. And I think you do bring up a good, a very good point in watching the team every week. Uh, Loftus-Cheek's greatest you know, strength is, is strength. It's the ability to shrug off tackles. It's the ability to carry the ball forward. It's the ability to be a, a presence in the box, both you know, kind of in the air and just physically in tight spaces. Um, and Kova, his greatest strength is also carrying the ball forward. And it's also kind of, 
getting in there. And it's not so much, you know, like being an aerial presence or being an imposing figure, but it's also getting the ball advanced up the pitch from the midfield. And if you have two guys that are trying to do that and nobody's sitting back in front <laughs> of an aging uh, Silva and a back line that's all trying to head to Spain, uh, then of course you risk leaking some goals. And so I think you thought I was going to argue a little bit more with you, but I think your, your analysis is spot on. The reason I'm still not sweating it is Jorginho did return to training uh, just this week. And he probably is going to be available for a cameo uh, off the bench. And so if they can get out, get a goal against Leeds, who has no problem giving them up, uh, they will have the ability, I think, to pull Jorginho in to help kill off the game. Yeah, and it's, and, and again, like I think it's Leeds because my, my prop bet for this week is Chelsea just keeping a clean sheet at plus uh, 168. Um, I, I don't think it's going to matter too much against Leeds. I, I just don't think Leeds is the attacking players to, to hurt Chelsea if they play a Copa. Loftus cheek midfield. Um, but it, it is interesting. And it's also a good reminder that like who is in the starting 11 matters, right? Like, so if you were trying to bet the wolves match, like, um, you know, say someone like me who put them in their five pie pickoff. Um, <laughs> when you see that midfield, it, it it's going to change the dynamic of the, of the match. If Jorginho starts in place of Loftus cheek, the it's going to increase the odds of the bet that I took last week hitting. Right. When Loftus-Cheek is in there, instead of him, like you said, you have two players that are great at going forward, great at moving the ball forward, getting into dangerous spots, but they don't do anything on the other side of possession. Um, so yeah. just it's kind of a good reminder of stuff that we talk about all the time, that players will change the pro- profile of a game, and that's going to be where you can probably create an edge or, you know, maybe chalk a bet or change your five-pint pick. Yeah. Makes me miss the days of John Obi McKell or John McKell Obi, whichever uh, way you wanted to say his name. It didn't matter. Whatever you, whenever you said his name and whenever you could, saw him come in, the game was over. Yeah. There's nobody ever killed off the last 30 minutes better than uh, McKell. I, <laughs> I miss him. Uh, so after watching the entire left side of Leeds completely collapse against Martinelli uh, and Arsenal, who just had his way with them, left, right, and center, um, the first place I went to go find my best this week were Mason Mountain Props. Who's coming off of a seemingly unprecedented 10 days of rest. And I found some. Uh, so this is where we're going to have a little bit of fun with math, Brett. Okay. Because uh, I, 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 like I feel like I'm missing something. But if I'm, if I'm missing something, I hope somebody in the audience will educate me. If I'm not missing something, allow me to educate the audience. Okay. Uh, so mount to score or assist is minus 105. However, mount as an anytime goal scorer is plus 200 and Mount as an anytime assist generator is plus 280. So my recommendation, unless my math is wrong, is to not bet Mount to score or assist. Take the other bet separately because if Mount hits a goal and he doesn't get an assist, then you actually get basically the same payoff that you would get on the score or assist bet. If he gets an assist, you get more money. And if he hits both, then you're really in business. So there seems to be no risk to me that I can see in the math to taking those two bets individually rather than just, you know, taking the lazy way and clicking the minus 105 to score or assist together. That's interesting pricing. Uh, yeah, I would, if someone is very smart or someone works on betting models, please, please enlighten us. I would like to know how you get to pricing like that. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that was uh, our usual segment where I'm the one who explains math to you instead of the other way around. So for first time listeners, that's the way this always goes. (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's move to the next game. 
We have Wolves in eighth at 50 points and Man City at first at 86 points. This game is Wednesday at 3.15 p.m. Manchester City is minus 370. The Wolves plus 1,200. Draw is plus 475. On the spread, Manchester City minus a goal and a half is minus 130. Wolves is plus 105. Uh, All right. The Manchester City killing machine is back and it is angry. Um, yet again, City gets the edge in sequencing as well here as they will know the pool result before kickoff. And I think this is factoring in to their approach in the end results far more than the betting markets are allowing for. Uh, I know the Wolves remain scrappy as hell and they get full credit for fighting back to draw Chelsea last week. But City are on a whole other level, even from Chelsea. So this is a much bigger test of the Wolves' surreal ability to keep games close. And just like Poole, uh, as we talked about earlier, why I like them to kind of win in a route, City's going to be keeping their eye on goal differential because that's all they really have to defend here, right? Like, unlike Poole, they have both the point and the GD hammer on their side. So unless Poole wins by, like, three, four, five, I mean, City's not going to feel the need to, like, also score five, but they are so good, just like Ice Cube, they can mess around and get a triple-double. I mean, I, I think they can, like, try to win by one and end up winning by three. Um, so in a, in a testament to their relentless attacking power, I'm taking them on the adjusted line, even against the Black Magical Wolves, who never seem to lose by more than a goal. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week with Wolves. There is um, definitely a lot of uh, fuckery going on in their defensive stats. Um, if you, I, I won't go through the whole thing one more time, but if you want to listen to last week's podcast, we talked about it there. But basically, uh, Jose Sa has had an amazing shot-stopping season on top of the fact that Wolves' opponents have forgot to kick the ball towards the goal. Um, and that that has kind of created this illusion that they are the scrappy, good defensive team when really they're just a bad team that's getting lucky. Um, and it's going to catch up to them at some point. And I, I think, you know, City is, is a team that, like, when you're running hot on variance, they give you a good reality check. Um, and so as much as, you know, the raw numbers for Wolves look good, I'm doing the same thing. I'm taking City on adjusted line at minus two and a half at plus 190. Um, I still mm. think there are definitely questions about City, although early – Holland is on his way to fix some of those things. Uh, if anybody's read the new, oh movie. yeah, all oh he's going to plug all the holes in their goal scoring said, efforts uh, as they win four zero five zero. Yeah, I mean it, it helps uh, to have one of the best young players in the world come to your club. Um, they still have other questions. I mean the the Kyle Walker thing is a big deal, but we can talk about that another day. Um, but I, I do agree that I, I think that there is um, their their strength in depth for City lies in their attacking. Uh, triumphant, basically. The, the three that they play across and then whoever is kind of in the De Bruyne role, whether it's De Bruyne himself or sometimes Foden. Um, and they were able to rotate a little bit last week. Um, Grealish came on, Sterling came on, and they just absolutely annihilated Newcastle. So now we're going to get like a fresh Phil Foden, a fresh Riyad Mahrez. <laughs> it's just like a fresh Ferraro Sova. Like, it's just embarrassing what they can throw out like in front of uh, you know their, their, their back line. And so for me, the over three and a half goals is plus 167. City can get that all on their own. Um, if Wolves yeah. don't get lucky, City are going to put three or four past them. Now, granted, the Newcastle was always a little skewed. They, you know, they did score five, but one was Zinchenko literally shot a ball into Phil Foden and went in the back of the net off of Foden, um, which is helpful for my DFS, but it wasn't a, like a legitimate goal. And then they scored two set pieces, one in which they – 
they kind of played a corner way out to Gundogan, who uh, basically the keeper spilled a shot from outside the box. And then it, from there, it was just a scramble. And they had, you know, two attempts inside three feet and, and uh, uh, Ruben Diaz, or sorry, Laporte put it in. So with that said, I still think this is an incredibly good attacking team going against a very bad defensive team that's been getting lucky. So this is going to be my week to just kind of put the money down on Wolves not being so lucky anymore and having variants come bite them in the ass. Yeah, I mean, there might be a, a little bit of luck in getting up to five, but that Foden back heel on that last goal was probably worth like three goals just by itself. So uh, I think I'm not too works. mad at them for getting a couple of deflections. It was so freaking pretty. Yeah. And you also got to love Pep just like inventing like motivation for his world-beating uh, squads like oh everybody else wants Liverpool to win it's like no all we want to watch is like have something to watch on the championship Sunday that matters yeah it's not like everybody's rooting for Liverpool we just don't want you to run away from with this and then go sign one of the three or four most exciting talents in the world so you try to run away with it again next year that's what we don't want Pep. <laughs> um, but a- anyway because he's inventing challenges and because I think they are going to put at least two or three past Wolves uh, I'm going with Man City clean sheet plus the over of one and a half goals at plus 150. So if you want to bet just a good team to do a good thing, a clean sheet win, that's minus 135. But put a little extra, you know, hot sauce on that bet because you think they're going to get a couple of goals and you think you're going to get a clean sheet. Then you start really juicing those odds up into uh, attractive plus territory. So that's my recommendation for you. Uh, All right, Brett, that covers the midweek Premier League games. But of course, we are not going to record again before Saturday. So just as a real quick bonus, we're recording this Monday about 430. So we're not going to have great information. And if this runs as a video on Friday, uh, we might look like absolute fools because so much can change between now and then. But we do have quite the match coming up on Saturday with a little bit of silverware on the line in the FA Cup final between Chelsea and Liverpool, Saturday at 11.45 a.m. No real props are available, so we're just going to talk straight line here and give a quick pick. Um, Chelsea is plus 255. Pool is plus 100. The draw is plus 250. Which side are you going with? I want you to go before I go on this particular match, uh, given my rooting interest. I'm going to be a chicken shit. And I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the uh, the Liverpool note or the Liverpool uh, where they win or and a draw avoids the bet. And I think it's minus two fifteen. I can't read my own handwriting. Two twenty yeah. minus two twenty minus two twenty. Okay, good. Thank you for reading my handwriting for me. Um, <laughs> pretty amazing that you're doing that over a Zoom call. But yeah, that's or that's I might be draw. taking the other side of this exact same bet. Oh, all maybe right. that's well, why the, the, draw, the draw no bet uh, for Liverpool. That seems to be the the best thing because I, I just think the most likely outcomes are going to be Chelsea are going to throw out their good defensive midfielders and going to slow the game down. And it's going to be a draw, which would void your bet. Um, or Liverpool. Are, probably going to win if like Ruben Loftus-Cheek is playing a double pivot against him. Yeah. Uh, well, I think a lot of this comes down to can they break N'Golo Conte out of the glass case for, uh, you know, maybe not last vintage performance, but a vintage performance. Because if Conte, who hasn't played in quite some time, can come back and give them real minutes, 
this game is on path to be one zero zero zero, just like every other giant game that Chelsea plays when Silverware is on the line and he's on the pitch. I mean, they're not going to be involved in much of a shootout if, if he can shut down Liverpool single handedly. I know that's a huge ask and it's not something we can absolutely count on, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's Chelsea magic or what. When they have one thing that they are focused on more above all else, they are an absolute bitch to beat. Uh, so I'm actually am going to take the other side of your bet. I mean, if it goes to PK, so be it. I'll get my money back. But otherwise, I if it's decided in regulation, call me crazy. Call me uh, a homer. But hopefully you'll call me a winner because I am taking Chelsea plus 160 to grind out a result against Liverpool in what will probably be a really ugly match. Yeah, I, I think, again, you know, it's going to come down to because both sides have certain players that change the dynamic of their lineups. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who who is in the starting 11 for both teams. And that will probably dictate a bet more than anything else. Um, and, and again, we're sitting here on a Monday. This maybe cutout plays on a Friday. Um, so when you see the starting 11s come out, like we've talked plenty about which guys do what and how they change things. You know, if you're going to watch the match and place a bet on it, you know, pay close attention to what those starting 11s look like because certain guys will definitely increase the chance of an extremely ugly Chelsea win draw type of thing. And then certain players, you know, that Ryan with Smoftish Schmeek um, will increase the chance of Liverpool coming out, maybe hanging a couple of goals and putting this one away. Oh, I don't know. What if it's Saul? Oh, yeah. Saul fucking makes an appearance in the FA Cup final. Put everything you own, just take out a second mortgage and just put that shit out of Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and of course the midweek results will change it as well. If Liverpool, you know, slips up again and Manchester City gets another W and they fall out of the title race, then they're probably gonna throw out a full-throated attempt to get the treble through um the cups. And so that'll be interesting to follow if, you know, Manchester City slips up and the Premier League is suddenly wide open again. I think they're still obsessed with the treble, so they'll probably push their guys through. But, you know, maybe uh, Tiago or Fabinho doesn't go the, the full 90 or, or beyond. Uh, so definitely watch the midweek results. Definitely do not bet this match until you see the lineups. But uh, definitely v- go on the blues because it's the more fun side of history. And I... I do have this is like really sick vision. I will admit just safe space here at the end of a pod. Is it, though? Um, is it a safe space, Toby? All right. Well, let's say for you, let's, for let's you, say it's a safe with, space because you're my boss and you can slander me. And I, I don't have anybody. <laughs> I'm, not gonna slander, to. I'm not going to slander you. Right. But let's say, you know, city win the league and let's say Liverpool win the champ, uh, lose the champions league final and we win the FA cup. Who had the best season? We'd have the club world cup. We'd have the FA cup. City would have the league and Liverpool would just have the Carabao Cup. Would we have like come from way back from behind to actually have the more successful year? I don't know. History might tell us on that one. <laughs> I'm just going to shake my head. It's a uh, podcast, but I, I hope they use the cut out of me just shaking my head during that moment. <laughs> yeah. The answer is Liverpool. I'll be pretty pleased. The answer is Liverpool. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It just depends how you judge it. I'm a trophy guy. Chelsea, Chelsea blinders are on. Yeah, well, I'm not going to get blinded by a season where you just win the Carabao Cup. I'll tell you that much. 
Uh, all right, so that brings us to the five pints. So, Brett, your high variance style swung around again when uh, you took a zero despite having a minus 200 in your picks. Uh, uh, that one really hurts. Yeah. Uh, that that puts you down four pints going into this week, and I'm pissed it's not more after Arsenal couldn't protect a two-goal two goal lead against 10 Leeds players, which is like seven and a half guys on City. Uh, <laughs> but let's go ahead and see if I can extend my lead. I will admit, I will admit, I... I got, you've got my head. I'm having a little too much fun with these bets rather than just making the smartest plays. And so I have something dumb at the end, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, smartest bet I'm going to take Manchester city plus pool parlay just to win. It's only, you only got to pay a little bit of juice. It's minus minus one fifteen, And I think those are both highly likely results. So I uh, feel great about putting those two together. Um, meatballs. I apologize, but I'm going to make you work on the graphics. Because of the math that we talked about earlier, I'm going a half pint on Mason Mount anytime goal at plus 200 and a half pint at Mason Mount anytime assist at plus 280 rather than taking them together at minus 105. Uh, I'm taking the Spurs at plus 115 because you got to have action on the biggest game of the week. And because I want to have action, I want to have fun. I'm going with not the smart bet, but the fun bet. Spurs Arsenal goal between 76 minutes and full time. Yes, at minus 115. And then finally, just because I want to put my boot on your neck and not go in the safe route, instead of taking Liverpool minus a half goal or a goal and a half, I'm taking them all the way up to minus two and a half at plus 310 to put May away before it even began. So how are you going to counteract that, Brett? Well, I had it spread out, but now I kind of want to do like all my eggs in one basket, but I don't think I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to go three though, in one spot, the Spurs golden boy to put it in the back of the net. Plus plus one thirty, three pints on my guy, Harry Kane. I think I the only other time I picked Kane out as an anytime goal scorer hit for me. So I'm hoping that lightning can strike twice. Uh, and then I'm going to take city. Uh, the other two pints are going to go city minus two and a half against wolves at plus plus one ninety. Um, again, just kind of betting the variance for wolves. They are a very bad team. And anytime you'd see city playing a very bad team, given what's at stake, you'd expect them to win by multiple goals. So I will take the juice. I just have two, two spots for my bets this week, man. That's it. Harry Kane. I need you. I think he, he broke a streak for me too. You know, when I, one of my, one of my, uh, one of my many <laughs> runs of not winning cold streaks, uh, Kane was Kane broke that one and turned things around for me. So I'm hoping he can do so again this week. Well, uh, he is your good luck charm, your talisman on your bets, and you betting against Chelsea is my talisman <laughs> to bring home more wins. And so thank you for taking the other side of the FA Cup final, and hopefully it's going to mean a little more silverware in the Stanford Bridge Museum. Uh, all right, guys, we will be back for the final match day of the year. I know it won't be for a little while, and a lot of things will be decided, but let's cross our fingers that over the next 11 days, um, there's still a few things left up to be decided on that glorious final premier league day of the year which is always super fun to watch all the games kick off at the same time uh massive smorgasbords of events to send us into the summer that in many years such as the aguero goal for city to win the title has created the biggest soccer memories of my life outside of the world cup and then sometimes everything's decided and you know you check out early and hopefully go out and swim or get to a lake or something wherever you live uh but we'll find out when we come back. So enjoy the midweek matches. Enjoy the weekend action. And we will see you for Championship Sunday. 
Take care, y'all.